Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. Thanks so much for doing this and for your patience this morning. It's great to see you. It's nice to see you too. How's everything? How are you? I was going to ask you the same thing. I am doing really well and finding I have a lot of energy lately, a lot of clarity of mind, even though like my walking, I'm still strengthening, still working to improve that. I feel like I'm better than I was and can't believe it's almost five years. I know. I can't believe it either. Really, really hard to even just grasp that number. Will you do more MRIs after or not once the five years I, done? I, ha- I have one scheduled, I think sometime in September because my stem cell birthday is October. So yeah, my neurologist is curious, I think just to see last time I was there was three and a half years and some of my lesions were shrinking and I had no new activity, which is the goal. Yeah. So. I've had it every year. And I know Bert said something about, you know, once it hits the five years, if you're still in remission, you don't have to scan anymore. So one more. So when are you scheduled? I didn't schedule it yet. I went late this for my four year. I actually was doing like December, beginning of December for being the end of October. I mean, November, I had it December, but I waited till I came back here and I didn't have it done actually until May. I just had it done in May. So I'm going to wait until next spring. So it'll be like five and a half years, but that's okay. And then as long as it's good, I think I'm going to cut it off and just say, I don't want to do this anymore unless I have to. Right. Unless you feel like something's off. Yeah. So I think that's uh, the big question, right? Because there's data around or at least data reported at the five-year mark in terms of 72% or whatever, still in remission, 72% of patients still in remission at five years post. And so I think even the value of this podcast and certainly our conversations is especially when I can talk with those people who are more tenured in their experience to just to check in and see who have you spoken to over the years that was the longest patient bird ever did? Do you know? Have you talked to them? Lydia Rosenbaum is, she was part of the very first crew for Crohn's disease. Um, so she comes to mind because she was part of the initial 13 or whatever, and is a great case of effectiveness for Crohn's disease, even though it's not something usually listed in the several autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt. Barry Gowdy comes to mind as well. He was someone who was near 20 years. I guess close to 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah. doing- they're doing fantastic. As far as I know, I'd love to talk with them again. And just because gee whiz, Allie, we've been at this now. This is our ninth season and... 
four years. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It is. It's, um, yeah. And, and so it's interesting. So I, I look at people always say, you know, how are you doing? Are you cured? Are you all this? And I'm like, I'm always going to be someone that has MS. That doesn't go away. The hope is that it doesn't resurface. But I would say I've had my toughest year to date since transplant. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So tell us, how are you doing? Physically, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great physically. I don't think there's anything that I'm going through physically that has to do with the HSCT or the MS. Surprisingly, I think, and I think we talked about this the last time, is I've had more setbacks and struggles with menopause, which HSCT threw us into. Yeah, that's the truth. And learning about all the things that no one talks about with menopause and how your body really does go through when you drop all those hormones, how much it really affects parts of your body. You know, people hear that, that term post-menopause or whatever, and all they think about is, you know, you dry up or you don't have a period or people think hot flashes and sweats. Right. right. But it's, it's, I feel like those ended in the hospital. Right. The, the, <laughs> those are so minimal to what else it actually affects when you lose your estrogen, when you lose your progesterone, when you're, you know, even as women losing levels of testosterone, it makes a huge difference in your body. And I think that struggle has been more of what I've had, but I've also done like a deep dive into what my life was like before the transplant, even when I was in my sickest times, the worst of the worst, which was right before. And what is different from those symptoms to now? Because for, I would say for the first couple of years, I didn't really have anything. I didn't notice anything. But now that the systemic issues, right? Right. So now I've noticed a couple things post transplant. My mental health is worse. My depression. Now it's not clinical. It's not every day. It's episodic, but it's definitely worse. I didn't have much anxiety. I always suffered episodic depression, but I never really had anxiety. I wasn't like a fidgety person. I wasn't. And I have developed quite a bit of anxiety. And so do you attribute that to the menopause and the shift in hormones and aging? I, it's something my husband likes to remind me of. This may not have anything to do with HSCT. It may be more to do with aging. And I think that actually the menopause portion is worse mm -hmm. for it. I don't think the HSCT affected that part of me. Sure. It's the, it's the onset of menopause. It's the decline in the hormones, mm -hmm. the brain and the serotonin and dopamine and all those things to change and to shift. Everything seems to have dropped and it's more challenging. Um, I recently went on bioidentical hormones after doing some research and kind of weighing the options. I, you know, I'm not somebody who has cancer in my family. I don't have a cancer risk. I mean, everybody, has, everybody has a cancer risk, of course. Sure. Because of right. our environment. 
Right. But I don't have a history of cancer anywhere in my family. That's awesome. And I think that I made the decision going, something has to give. I've got to be able to replace some of these hormones to, I want to do this to see if it changes anything. Now I've only been on them for about three weeks. So it's very new. Um, I don't think it's doing anything yet. I don't feel any difference in my anything yet. That's not true. My hot flashes at night, I still get them during the day sometimes, but my sleep is, I would say, just a hair better. I use them at that's night. Because it tells so, me, um, it yeah, told that's me to, so important. So it, I think that my sleep is getting better, which is great because it's been years since I've had a good night's sleep. So I definitely think the sleep is starting to improve, which makes a huge difference. Well, sleep is so important. It's when our body restores itself. Right. So I think that that's a factor. Did they give you like a timeline of when to expect they to said notice the difference, if any? Could. She said the, the thing that will happen the fastest is the sleep and the sweats will slow down, the flashes. But as far as the other symptoms, um, you know, I, I talked to somebody who's a nurse and she said, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of people some of them very big in the functional nutrition space and wellness space. And they said that they were life-changing. They have not, it's too soon for me to say that. Um, I'm hoping that it also helps with the weight gain that I've put on since menopause, which has been enormous. And let me just say that before anybody likes to get backlash over weight gain. It's not because of the weight itself. It's because I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Well, and you probably experience different, at least I notice my knees bother me a lot more if I'm feeling like I've put on a few pounds, right? Yeah. And so it's about the functionality. Yeah. And the, and the truth of the matter is I put on a great deal of weight in uh, the last several years. I would say the last two and a half years I've put on the most weight and I can't seem to get it off no matter what I do. And uh, I know that they said that this will probably help Interestingly enough, since I've started the bioidentical hormones, I've actually put on an additional three pounds. And my doctor, who I spoke to recently, we had a phone call and she said, you got to give it more time. Let your, your system, your uterus, let the, let, everything has to get adjusted and that's going to take time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, regulation. I'm not taking systemic hormones. I'm not internally taking them. This is transdermal. So it's a, I think it's a slower process not saying that clinically, I don't know, but it, I don't feel much different yet. Mm. Just being patient and giving it the time that whatever time that is for now. But I would say that's, you know, based on all of our conversations over nine seasons, this is the first time I can say, I, I feel like a lot of conversations I've been really positive and, and have, things have been really great. And this is the first time I could say, I don't, I don't feel that way. And so I'm trying to be vulnerable and transparent. And that's so important, right? You know, because, you know, life's it's ebbs and flow of mm -hmm. things. And right now in my life at the start of season nine, things are, are not a hundred percent. And, um, and also I've had COVID twice. <gasps> twice. Wow. 
And I got the monoclonal antibodies because my doctor at the time said, you know, you're, you're a high risk based on your system. We should do those. So I got them and they were great. I felt great. My recovery was great. But then I got it again two weeks ago. So I'm still really newly out of recovery. Yeah. Um, it just felt like a very bad cold. This time, I, the first time I didn't get a cough. This time I got a heavy cough, which is gone. And I didn't get antibodies. They didn't give them to me this time. I didn't get Paxlovid. They said, they're, well, where I am in Key West, they weren't giving it freely because there's so many new strains of that, you know, they don't know what's what. So they're not like just giving it unless you're super high risk or immunocompromised. So this time around, the recovery is harder. And like longer because you don't have the support. And the first bout of COVID, my MS symptoms did not activate. This time they have, I've had old symptoms like um, brain fog is heavy. Getting my thoughts to come out of my mouth, which was an old symptom prior to transplant, was there. Like I knew what I wanted to say, but it's a slow coming. And I have tripped over my tongue a lot. So I find myself, you know, like mixing words and, um, how did that feel in the onset of all that? I was, it was, it was, I tried to stay calm in it and say, okay, this isn't active MS. It's because I had an infection or a virus, but it, it threw me a little bit mentally along with the anxiety that I'm already having, it definitely spooked me when it started happening and I could hear it happening. Like I'm talking and it's like, you know, for people that don't have that or don't understand, the only way I can describe it is like, I'm trying to talk and it's almost as if my tongue is twisted. And so the words stumble out and they're not, they're like a little jumbled or I'm trying to talk and it's just, to me, I sound slower. It's terrifying. And it is terrifying. And I've also had a lot more joint pain. Mm. I, I wasn't having any for a long time, but lately little things like I've been having a lot of headaches, migraine. Mm. And the other night, two nights ago, my neck has been really bad. I had a two day migraine. And I'm sure that was all connected. Woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't feel my hands or my feet. And it was all coming from stuff in my neck and the migraine. And I woke up the next morning and I was fine other than some stiffness. Sure. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, because for me, when I went in for the transplant, like when the process of us going from finding it to actually starting it, during that time period, my neurologist of, you know, many, 15 years, and even Dr. Dr. Burt and my whole team was like, you know, if your cervical spine takes another hit, you're going to be paralyzed and you're going to be on a feeding tube. They're so bad. And the lesions on my cervical spine were growing. And the one that had been there from the beginning had grown. And then a second one had attached. And they basically said, you're going to be paralyzed. And on a feeding tube. So when I woke up two nights ago and I had this feeling, mm-hmm. I thought, this is what they're talking about. This is what it would feel like if that happens. Because you had inflammation. 
where those lesions are exactly. and maybe they're smaller. I don't know if your well, MRIs have measured that. So my MRI showed that they were a little bit smaller, which is great. But the thought of, is this what it would feel like if that were to happen? And I can't really feel or function them the same. It was so scary. I almost had a full-blown panic attack. And then I thought, take some breaths. It's just, you're just inflamed right now. The migraine is, is bad. You, you were moving pack, you know, boxes and your neck's just inflamed. And I woke up in the morning, like I said, I was fine. I just had some stiffness, but spooky. Very. You know, and also COVID. I'm sure that also activated these things. So, you know, given a few more weeks, I'm sure all of that will resolve. Resolve itself. Yeah. So and that's probably interrupted even the hormones, right? Oh, that you're like, all of it. When I had COVID at the end of May, beginning of June, the first well, the first day I didn't even know that I that I was going to end up with COVID. I felt like I just had I guess some congestion and I had a weird headache, but I've never felt a headache like that before. And then the next day I just like, there was nothing I could do but sleep. And I ended up sleeping for two days straight, wow. three days really. And then ultimately I realized like, okay, I have all the symptoms and then I lost my sense of taste, but my walking got so much worse. It was hard to get to the bathroom. We moved the bed closer to the bathroom just so it'd be easier for me to get there. And it was just miserable and terrifying. And then I started the Paxlovid. And once I read the um, package instructions or this potential side effects, I felt so much better because feelings of doom were listed as a side effect. And I was like, man doom is a great way to describe it. And I like, it, I, there was so much mental work to calm the anxiety to say, this is not your MS coming back. The transplant has not failed. You don't need to go through HSCT again. It's just COVID. And how did the Paxlovid work? Really well. As soon as I could get it into my system within a day or two, I started feeling better. The taste in your mouth is just horrid. I've never tasted anything like it and had to suck on lozenges the whole time just to have something else. That's funny. It's like the chemo days when we were sucking on lemon drop things and ginger. <laughs> yes. So much, except that taste wasn't terrible. Like the Paxlovid, it's like, I kept saying it tasted like I was licking the inside of a urinal cake. Oh, like a metal Urinal, and I don't know what a urinal cake tastes like, but that's what I could imagine. Right, that's so funny. It was that's terrible. People all it's funny because <laughs> my daughter's always like, "Here, try my matcha." I'm like, "I don't like matcha." She goes, "Just try it. It's really good." I'm like, "I don't like it." She goes, "Just try it again. You might like it again." I, and then I have it again, and I'm like, "Nope, it's just as bad." Don't like it. I do that to my husband all the time. It drives him crazy. What does it taste like to you? And I go, "It tastes like what I think." dirty feet that have been walking <laughs> dirty soil would taste like 
that's to me how it tastes because there's an earthiness to matcha, but there's also like, it just, so it's funny that you say like, I've never tasted that, but right. it's what comes up. And that's the same thing for me. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. To, you know, so being transparent and very vulnerable at this time in my life, you know, at almost a five year mark, MS itself, fine, totally fine. Those old symptoms that made me go for the transplant don't happen. Nice. But, you know, again, it's probably not the MS or the HSCT, but yet this is why I have taken a great interest in women's health and menopause because it's a space that I just don't think gets enough attention. And people, yeah, there's a stigma around even talking about what your body is going through. Right. And so I appreciate your vulnerability and introducing that the space that it's okay to talk about. And it's important to talk about because so many people are likely going through the very same thing and don't know how to talk about it or where to get help. Yeah. I mean, menopause isn't just about painful sex and a dry vagina, right? You know, it's, it's really, there's, you know, you take those hormones away or, you know, to extremely low levels and a lot of things switch off and change. And it's interesting, like discovering it all. And it's funny because all the little symptoms and things that I have, I don't attribute them. I don't, you know, in the past, we always went to, oh my God, it's my MS. Oh my God, it's my MS. Right. I don't think those things. I think, wow, I need to figure out how to do something with my hormones. I need to figure out how to re replenish and what can I do better? And the other thing is that's been really challenging for me, Jen, is prior to having the transplant and the whole year or two after it, like all that recovery. And we've talked about this before about food and eating and mm. stuff. I was so, I think I was, people would say you were the most stringent I've ever known. I was so strict with myself. I was so disciplined. I made it, a, it, it was just like, this is the only thing that I saw in my dietary regimen on a daily basis was the rainbow of vegetables and fruits and lots of water and movement. And it's been very, very challenging to get back to that level of motivation and drive. And discipline. Why do you think that is? I... Well, that if I feel like if I knew that answer, I could get back there, but it's become extremely difficult for me. Um, I don't know if it has to do with the hormones. I don't know if it has to do, like, that's the piece I don't know yet that I'm researching about menopause is without those pieces and the hormones, does it affect your motivation? Does it affect your... Um, drive does it cause Resolve. yeah like from a mental standpoint i'm very curious when your brain is depleted of of those hormones that your body uses to function does it change that and make it more challenging mm. and that's just research i need to do but 
Well, without the pain, right? Because you had so much pain whenever you ate. And so now that you haven't had that pain, it's rewarding to eat. And there's a very strong connection in our vagus nerve and our system, right? That the dopamine we receive when we do eat from our gut that says, yeah, we like tasting that and we feel good when we eat that. I've just Even if it's the worst thing for you, like sugar. Exactly. I've been able to discover foods that I could not eat before and not only couldn't, but I didn't want to eat any food before because everything was so painful. Yeah. I didn't want to eat it. I didn't want to smell it. I didn't want to touch it. And now I really like food and I want to go back to the places that I love. You know, I still thrive on vegetables and fruits and food like that is still my favorite thing to eat but I'm having a much harder time weeding out the other things and going back to just that. I don't know if you're finally able to enjoy everything. True. I am, but you know, well, it's hard to cut it off because the sugar feeds your system and says, let's have more of you. And I don't know that sugar is your problem. I'm just saying like problem. I think it's just, uh, my, my, diet before was so limited more liquid based. It was, you know, portions that were, you know, could fit on a tablespoon at a time. Whereas now I can sit and eat. And my, the other thing is, I don't know if this has to do with that. If it has to do with hormones is my appetite. It's, I feel like I'm never not hungry. And I don't know how to shift that either. So, and so, you know, that part of the weight gain, it, it, it has made me uncomfortable because everything feels tight. Mm-hmm. When I get dressed, my clothes just, I just don't feel, everything feels tight. <laughs> and sure, could I go out and buy an entire wardrobe bigger? Um, maybe. It's expensive. Over- one, it's expensive. And two, I don't want to just... I am fully in acceptance of my body now. I've learned to actually appreciate it more. Good. You know, I don't love it, but I appreciate it. I don't know how many people really do truly. Right. And I think that's okay to say in in the world today where women, you know, that whole, the whole women empowerment, you know, you have to love yourself at any size. That's great. It doesn't stop me. I still go out and put on a bathing suit and all that, but it doesn't, you can be accepting and all of that and go live your life, but it doesn't mean it's okay to say, I don't love these parts of me. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, but I still move every day. I'm still exercising. I'm walking all the time. I'm doing stuff. I'm still, I think I taught, I think I talked about this previously. I'm still unable to really lift weights because of my neck. Yeah. I just, no matter what, even moving, like I, I had to move my daughter out of her college apartments and she's done college. Oh my gosh. She was just beginning when we started this. She's done college. She graduated magna cum laude and she's uh, moving to New York city. And I, we had, we were up there last weekend, moving her out and just lifting boxes and boxes. It, it took me down for days. My neck got so bad. And so I, I still can't work out the way I used to. I don't know that I'll ever be able to. 
I think because we know there's certain damage that isn't reversible. Right. And that cervical spine in me, you know, with the lesions and the damage to the nerves, I, it affects, you know, down here through my arms. I still can't do that years later. So I try other things. I try to use bands and I try to use non-weight bearing, like just body weight. It's not as effective. It takes a lot longer, mm -hmm. but I still focus on what I can do instead of what I can't do and just keep trying every day to move. That's a huge, huge commitment. And, um, and that makes me feel good. So I would say, you know, uh, depression and anxiety during menopause is definitely not great, but I, you don't, you have to still find, I keep saying this lately, like I'm finding the present in the moment, mm -hmm. right? Everybody says you have to be present. We have to be present. We have to be present. But that word is a gift, right? We give presents because they're gifts. So I'm trying to find the present in every moment and focus on all the good things so that I can even out this, the worries that I get. That's the thing about anxiety, like never having it before and now having this anxiety is really a, quite a big difference between depression and anxiety. Very. Very big difference. Um, so the anxiety is more new for me and um, it's that constant loop of negativity. Mm. that I, I, I never really had that before, to be honest. It's, it's, I, you know, this is crazy, but I find it interesting. So I, I like to dig into, to it because it's interesting to me how it works. And it really is that loop that just keeps going and how to stop it. And I listen to everything. I read everything, but learning it, having someone tell you is very different than actually having it work. And living it. And, and it's it, great that you have that mindful practice to notice when it's I, happening and the loop that's occurring, tuning into the triggers might help you Oh yeah, recognize and then halt it before it gets out of control. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, being super mindful and, you know, what we were talking about before we recorded that is this, you know, backing away from social media. Mm -hmm. taking a step back from coaching just to be present in my own mental health journey. I needed to be present in it and stop pushing it off and hiding it behind everything else I was doing. I needed to come full circle. It, it, I would say, you know, it's many, many years being a single mother. It's going through, you know, two divorces and breakups and financial struggles. And obviously the, the number one of, the, the physical struggles that MS caused prior to the, having the transplant mm. being putting all those aside to just do what you have to do in life. I think it's brought me to this place. This is what I'm uncovering for myself in my work is that it's brought me to this place very present now to feel all of that because I didn't allow myself to feel it. For like 20 years, I didn't allow myself to feel it because everything else had to come first. And right. now not present in my daughter's life on a daily basis because she's a little grown up herself now and she doesn't need me the same way. And so I have this time to 
all of a sudden the feelings have all come rushing out in the last year. And I don't want to push them away. I don't want to bury them. I want to feel all of them because I want to learn what they're trying to tell me. Right, right. And that mindfulness of, of saying, what is this feeling? What is this emotion? What, what is happening in, in here and what's triggering it? And how do I move out of that? How do I heal that? Right. And so that's a lot of actually the work that my very best friend is involved with, the embodiment piece of recognizing where these things come up in our body because we store our emotions in our fascia, which oh. is all the interconnected tissues that hold everything together in our body. And it has its own intelligence. And so we like trauma is stored there. Emotions are stored there. And if you have a lot of that trapped, it's important to be doing this work and noticing as you notice the emotions that come up, I would notice where you feel tension or where you feel it in your body and then work on just light scrubbing. It's interesting. Well, to me, it's interesting that you say that because I don't think a lot of people talk about that. No. And what, what interests me most is that recently over the last few months, I have gotten very into gua sha stone and dry brushing. And now yeah. I'm gua sha stones on my body where my body has developed a, a, a great deal amount of cellulite in the last, you know, obviously my weight's gone up, but even when it hit up and down in the past, I never had that mm. menopause where the hormones dry out and your body actually shifts, your skin changes. Right. And I've been working on that through these techniques Yeah. to try and literally like focus and even in my face, you know, just a lot of facial yoga on these pressures. You know, I had, I'll tell you, I had horrible TMJ. I wore plates at night. I did all kinds of things. My dentist made me all these kinds of different things. My jaws would click constantly. And I have to tell you something. Since I've been doing facial yoga and the gua sha stones, if I'm even saying that right, and rolling, I don't have much TMJ. In fact, I went to the dentist yesterday and I I will admit I was a little behind. I apparently haven't had my, I was like two years, which is not like me. Yeah. Moved to Florida. It was just like threw me right. off. But she said to me, your teeth have no no effects of grinding. I don't think you're really doing that anymore. Your teeth are great. And my jaw doesn't click anymore. It's not out of place because I focus a lot on these points and it is so much better. And so it made me realize if I can do it here, well, then I should be able to do it in the other places that, and, and, you know, a lot of times cellulite is also, you got to get into the fascia. You got to release it. And interestingly enough, where you say emotions are trapped, when I would, in times that I would go and get a massage, my outer thighs, when they would rub like the sides where the, unbelievably painful for me, crazy. I used to say to them, like, I don't understand why does that hurt so much? And so I've been really working on that. 
and it's getting better and better. I don't have as much pain there. And so it's interesting. I never thought about trapped emotion. And I think trauma. And so our body stores all there's like, there's research on intergenerational trauma and how it's stored in your DNA. And so until you can start to shift the resonance that's carried in your fascia and your DNA, your body's always going to be revisiting and shifting, rearranging so that new emotions can be stored until you can process out. I need and your so that, that comes with the <laughs> detox. It comes with sweat. It comes with right. just the work of body moving body. It's shifting the resonance through mindfulness, meditation, but also the physical aspects of movement and helping noticing where that tension is held. Like I carry a lot here in my shoulder and my arm always wanted to be here with the MS just seized up and, and clenched tight. And so I would carry my purse on my left side to kind of hide right. that tendency. And now it doesn't need to be there, but I still have limited range of motion mm-hmm. that if, if I really work into releasing those holding patterns by rolling or dragging massage, et cetera, um, eventually it'll loosen up and then I'm I can so begin f- to change that pattern. That's this is fascinating to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I would love to talk to your friend, see if she'd want to come on my podcast and talk about that. Oh, she would love to. Because um, we'll after, but I would love to connect with her because that to me, see, those are the things that I want to talk about. Right. Those are the interviews I want to do. These are those are the people I want to connect with. People in the space of menopause, health, and research. Um, energy healing, body healing, like those things where we store all that. I think that as I go through this process, mm-hmm. I'm learning more about these ways. And I may not have ever realized or paid attention before, but until I started using the stone and, you know, now my Instagram feed is only, you know, facial massage. <laughs> <laughs> and also- well, because you're recognized. You can recognize the value and you want to share it with others when you see such relief and benefit. The difference in my jaw is because that was also one of my MS symptoms. Mm. I have, you know, I still get Botox twice a year around my eyes. I do still like, it's not as heavy since the transplant, but I still get some twitching. Prior to the transplant, the twitching was so heavy in my eyes that I'd have to wear glass sunglasses because it would like pull my eyelid mm. or of flutters that still happen and a little bit in my lip that twitches. So I get it twice a year medically. And that and, helps resolve it. Oh, it takes, I mean, twice a year. And it, you know, I know when it's going to start wearing off cause I can feel it. Sure. But, but I wonder if some of this work will help to shift that. Well, I'm working. I do a lot around here too, but my eye surgeon who um, also specializes in, in thyroid eye disease and I have Graves, you know, she said that she told me to be more cautious about pulling around the skin of the eyes because it will stretch and make it heavier. It will make the lid drop more. So I try to be really cautious of how I'm going around the eye area, more of just a massage versus a drag there. I try to be more cautious about that area. And gentle. Well, so, all of it should be gentle. 
yeah. system is so sensitive. So I am fascinated that working in here, when I was really started it off for cosmetic reasons, thinking that I could keep my skin more youthful, never thinking and never, never paying attention to the reasons that these, these practices, ancient practices really are there. You know, now I, I think with social media, it's more about, you know, keeping your skin looking younger and doing all these things to reduce cellulite and all those things. But I'm more fascinated in learning from people that teach it and do it about where it came from and how it really does work inside the body. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. I'm but really I think it's fantastic that you're so open to all of the learning and continuing to grow. It's great to model for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so those things really interest me because I, I now do see how much we store all of this in our system. Our issues are in our tissues. Oh, she always tells me this, right? Beat that one. (laughs) And so just paying attention to, again, like if my left arm is seizing up and I can just gently roll the fascia and help it to just shift its holding pattern. Eventually I can start to shift the resonance. That's so good. It's magical. It is. So, um, so, you know, I would say it's just, I'm really in a mindful space. It's beautiful. Figuring out being just more present with myself right now, instead of holding space for everyone else. And I love coaching and I'm, I'm hoping I'll go back to it. But right now I, I needed to stop holding space for everyone else and really hold it for me. It's so important. So and, important. I mean, that in itself is a gift to me uh, in terms of just the lesson and um, reinforcing the value and gift of really slowing down and shutting out all yeah. that isn't you. Yeah. I, it, it's been, it has been a gift. I'm still, I'm still learning from it daily and I never want to stop because I'm discovering such interesting things by being so present. You know, I think a lot of times people push down the dark feelings that they have. They want to bury them because they don't feel good and they don't feel good. But in that space that doesn't feel good is where the growth, that's where it happens. The happy and joyful moments are wonderful for our lives. We need them. We thrive to, to have them but the growth comes from the dark. Mm. You've got to go through the dark to find the light. You just have to. If if you don't feel those and you constantly push them away, then your light is artificial because you are really only half alive. Mm. You feel everything to learn and expand and then the light becomes real. Authentic. Beautiful. So love that. it's a lot of healing right now, a lot of healing time and learning and growing and flourishing. And that's where I am. And I mean, I feel like that's where you were even almost five years ago or four years ago in a different place. And that's just continued to evolve. It has evolved a lot. And I've been able to, you know, since my daughter is out of college now and I've moved to this little place that's quite healing in itself. Key West 
you know, there's one side of it that people say people come to Key West to party and to do water sports and to have some fun, but to be a local there now and to really understand that community, the other part of it is an incredible healing. It's, it's a very healing place. Mm. And it allows you to be wholeheartedly yourself without anything. There's no outside influence of judgment and, uh, that's beautiful. It's a safe space. It's, it's been a very safe place and a safe space and to allow me to go through this. And I think that that's what's happened since I've been there is it's, it's really opened up this place to say, okay, I've given to everybody mm. for the last 20 years. I've given to everybody else and I proudly would do it again. But right now I need to be right here with me. Because I started, I, if I didn't take this time now, I wouldn't be able to give myself the way that I was before. It was slipping. And I, I, if I'm going to inspire and give to other people, and I believe that's what I'm here to do is to serve others in a, in a good way, I need to do it to the best of my ability. And I was starting to lose myself too much. Sure. And now through this journey, I will go back to being the best part of myself that gives to gives out to the world. Beautiful. So why was it um, important for you to be here today? Because people hear the beginning opening of these seasons. And I think it's important to track the, uh, you know, it's not always each year getting better and better and better. And it's not only about the effects of the physical from HSCT, mm-hmm. but very much the mental and the, and the ups and downs of life. And to say that some, you know, we go through these phases. And so to see how it flows over the years, I think is important for people. Same. I, I feel like there's so much opportunity there to find the reality, at least in your experience, right? That it doesn't have to be a straight up from where we were. And ultimately the goal of HSCT is to halt progression. And in your case, and in my case so far, things have been halted and in different ways shifted, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're eating, you're the thing that drove you to HSCT or the pain that you had has certainly improved, right? And that's been an upward gain, which is tremendous. And so just because other things aren't that exact trajectory, that's okay, because that's the reality of life. Right. And I, and to be able to say, like you said, it's not just up, 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 but to be able to be proud of the, the drop, to be able to say there's moments that aren't so up and that's okay. I'm still proud of those moments because that's where my biggest growth is happening. Because you, and thank you for modeling this mindfulness, right? And attuning to where you are in this moment and finding the gifts. Yes. That's been a gift for me. Thank you. You are a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. For all that you do for all these other people, you know, you, 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 you put out information that's so important and it helps other people. There's so much to learn from listening to all the people you have interviewed. I believe so. At least I've learned so much. 
right? There's so much to learn and to put that out there for people to have this resources. It's always been incredible from day one. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it and helping to make it so incredible. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and all your support since gee whiz, I called you with the idea. I think I want to start a podcast. (laughs) I interview you, please. Can you be a part of this? And I'm so grateful that you've been a part of our season openers for the last four years. It's been quite an honor and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And I, and I really believe that our listeners find value in, in following along your story and others as well. And so, yeah, to anyone out there listening, thanks for tuning in and certainly reach out if you're interested in sharing your story, because without those willing to share and be vulnerable, we wouldn't be here. So. Right. I, as I say, I think on all of them, you know, people can feel free to find me on social media, to find me through my, I I don't even know if my website's still up. I wanted to take it down. But, you know, people can find me through Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, if they're curious or have questions about anything I've talked about, I'm always open to sharing with other people. Which is tremendous, particularly knowing that Dr. Burt's protocol is now being offered in a clinical trial. And so it's great to have a myelo, a non-myeloablative alternative. And I don't know like exactly how soon people can start enrolling, but that is the latest word on the street, which is I got amazing. from him, actually. He sent me some information and then Kate. So up and running in La Jolla. La Jolla, California. And I can include information about, because I have an email address for him that people should reach out to yes. if they're interested in the clinical trial. Yes. I have an email for his nurse, but I've been redirected to this other email for, for Dr. Burt. And so I'm sure he'll be bombarded. And his book. Yeah, his, his, new, his latest book. His latest book will be out. Uh, I know that it recently is it's going to publishing now. January, I think, is the anticipated publication yeah. date. Yeah. Or release date. So it's exciting. It is exciting. It's, it is exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to be here with you today in the space and Thank see you. the beautiful scenery behind you. What an oh yeah. How nourishing of a space. Isn't that pretty? And being nourished in that environment, which is tremendous. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I get to go to the beach many times a week and just I like to go either with the dogs or by myself actually. I like to go and just jump in the water and dig my feet into the sand and find some nourishment, find that grounding. Mm. Yeah. I like to, I've been ta- I've actually taken up more swimming lately. Nice. I wasn't a, a big swimmer. I mean, back in my days when I was young, I was like a lifeguard at a camp for a while and certified, but I don't, with my MS, I didn't really like swimming. I know it was a good activity, but a lot of times the water would be too cold for me and mm-hmm. I would be, body. And so for many, many, many years, I, I did not get into water unless it was heated, which is ironic for most people can't do that. For me, it was the opposite. Yeah. And so lately for quite some time now, I try, I try to get in like once a day if I can, or every other day I try to go, even if it's just 10 minutes of a dip in just 
I find I, I'm really finding a lot of peace in that in the water right now. Good. Maybe it helps to um, surround your body with that feeling of weightlessness. Yes, it does. So it doesn't feel so heavy. Yeah. And I don't I think- mean physically. I just mean like world is heavy all that you're yeah and all that you're processing I find that talking to people every day and at my job where I work on the island I talk to people all day long a lot of tourists a lot of people visiting and there is just a common theme everybody just feels this heaviness in their chest there's like a heaviness that everyone feels like they're carrying right now with what's going on in the world and when I you're right when I get in the water it's like it, it just goes away. There's just a lightness that happens and a coolness and a lightness. And I kind of let the water carry me instead of me having to carry myself. There you go. Beautiful. May we all find opportunities to feel that release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As always, it's a pleasure, Allie. Thanks, Jen, so much. It's so nice to connect. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this update with us and modeling presence. It's a gift to be with you always. Thank you very much. I enjoy it. You take good care of yourself. Do. No more COVID. No more COVID, please. (laughs) And I hope you uh, can find rest. Thanks, Jen. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. You too. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.